Hello everyone, welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke and today I'm with Jeff Thompson. You might know Jeff, he's been in Luxembourg for over 30 years. Originally from Dublin in Ireland, moved to Luxembourg in 1989 and has worked in so many areas. IT, project management, event management, marketing and comms and is also very involved in the business and social networks in the expat community. We're going to talk about the British and Irish Film Festival Luxembourg. This year marks the 12th annual such film festival that you've organised and that you set up. Welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke, Jeff. Hi Lisa, it's great to be on air. It's great to have a fellow Irishman with me here and to see you after so long in real life. How's it been the lockdown period for you? Uh, lockdown, it's been an interesting period for everyone. We're lucky we've got uh, a fairly spacious house. We live in the countryside. We've got a garden, so I've been growing vegetables and uh, things like that. But yeah, it's been tough on everyone and not least the arts, entertainment and culture sector. Yes. So we're here to talk about the British and Irish Film Festival Luxembourg. What happened last year? Last year, our festival was so lucky indeed because it was between, shall we call them lockdowns, we were able to have an in-cinema festival. Now, it was abridged. We could only have one screening an evening at the Cinematheque instead of uh, two. We were down to approximately 25% capacity because we had to have three free seats to the left, right, in front and behind everyone. But on the other hand, uh, we made sure that it was a safe environment for people to go back into the cinema. And despite being back down to 25% capacity, we only dropped 50% of our audience numbers. That's so, wonderful. So we were very happy with that. And people were very, very happy to get out to the cinema. And when I say socialise, have a chat about the uh, films, etc. We couldn't go for a meal or a drink or whatever after. We couldn't have any receptions. All our... Q&As were done online, but we were able to do it. Yeah, people have been very inventive and I think the online hybrid system going forward will become more and more interesting. But going back to the origins, why did you set up the film festival, the British and Irish Film Festival, or the film season as it was called then? Yeah, it's interesting. I've always uh, had a great interest and fascination in film. And I've tracked this back to when I was in uh, university in Dublin. I was very much involved in the film society there. And I remember getting on Thursday afternoons, getting my push bike, going up to the Irish Film Institute, getting a copy of uh, whatever film we had uh, programmed in reels and <laughs> yeah. um, sort of carrying him down, making sure that the projector had a spare bulb and everything. So obviously I had a very strong interest in film at that stage. So I had very good connections with what was then uh, Utopia SA, who managed the uh, Utopia cinemas. And through that, we were chatting and came up with the concept of maybe uh, showing some films from England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. And we started off in the first uh, season. We had seven films and we're up this year to 21. How do you find the films? Because they're also documentaries. Yeah. So, yeah, a documentary is still a film. But different type. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a different, a couple of different ways we do this. So the main thing is I have very good contacts with both the Edinburgh International Film Festival that meets every June, 
normally uh, in Scotland and they have a very strong British strand, particularly Scottish, but also English and uh, Welsh films, sometimes Irish films as well. For the last, apart from last year, the last number of years, I've missed the national celebrations here because I've been going over for sort of that last uh, sort of 10 days in June and identify what films are there and meet the people, talk to them and uh, start the requests for screening at our festival that's always in September. And then come back for a week, then off to Galway in Ireland for the Galway Film Fla, the sort of festival there. That's a very community-based event. It's about talking and networking, things that I love to do. And we identify films there. But sometimes there are other films that come on the radar. Sometimes there are films that maybe uh, Kinopolis is uh, going to screen here as well. So overall, those are the, the, the sources. And you're finding unusual films that wouldn't otherwise make the big screen. We try to focus on independent films quite often. And again, this year, there are some first films. They may be an actor, they may be completely new to the industry, but overall, it's just trying to find a mix. So they mix from the five countries, the mix of genre. Now, we don't want all documentaries, don't want all dramas, we don't want all animation. So it's just trying to get the mix and understanding the audience here and what they want. We have an audience prize every year. And for the last four, five, six years, the documentaries have scored really, really high in that. And that's partly because we bring the filmmakers over and there's a Q&A afterwards and the audience can ask questions and chat even after the Q&A. And uh, so this year we've actually managed to get eight documentaries and we're going for a hybrid format this year. Well, you're absolutely right when you mentioned the documentaries. I remember watching one of the documentaries that you brought over, which was about the fishing industry in Ireland. And it really stuck with me. I can remember it so clearly to this day. And you had the director there and having the people who make this film and the time and the effort and the love and the care they pour into these. It makes such a difference. And often you have the actors present as well. And just being able to see the people in real life, it really connects to the audience in a very different way to just watching something else a film on TV or whatever. Exactly. It's the added value that we bring and we've tried to do this from as early as we can. I think the film that you're referring to was Atlantic. Yes, yes, between yeah. Canada yeah. and Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Truly amazing. Yeah, and I, that film did win the audience prize that year. Yeah, well, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a documentary lover, so <laughs> it's lovely that you're going to have eight this year. But thinking about film more generally and from your days in Dublin when you were riding your bicycle, carrying the reels and looking for those bulbs. It has really changed. What do you think of the change and the way in which people can just so readily watch a film these days on Netflix or Apple or whatever medium they're looking at? It's so readily available. Do you think that takes from the art of filmmaking? No, I don't. I just think it's an evolution. I think it's an expansion. Like a number of years ago, um, when Blockbuster came out and the video rental, VHS rental, people were, were saying then, or oh, this is the death of cinema itself, of in-cinema uh, screenings. 
Not at all. So I think that the streaming services, whether it's Amazon Prime or Netflix or Apple Plus or whatever it is, uh, it's just an expansion. And I think like from that, like COVID has taught many people to be more inventive and try to explore different ways of doing things, maybe doing other things uh, as well. I think that filmmakers now need to... like not necessarily be stuck in their old ways from the old Hollywood days or but to sort of wake up and see that these are different opportunities that they can grasp and run with. So let's focus on this year's festival then. It's going to be a hybrid format. How is that going to work? Okay, so we've got a total of um, 21 films, 21 feature-length films, and we've also got uh, a few shorts as well. But we focus on the feature-length films, and 16 of those are going to be screened in cinema. Nine of those are available online, of which five are available online only. So if you can imagine back in school in your maths class and the Venn diagrams, this is what we're talking about. I love a Venn diagram. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. I'm all for Venn diagrams. Fantastic. So there's all sorts of options then for people to be in the cinema, cinema at home or just at home. Uh, What's the main challenges you faced this year when you come to programming this Venn diagram of events? Well, I'm going to go back to last year first. Please do. Last year, because the festival was in September, so the main part of the programming is June, July and August. But during that period, we thought we're not going to get any film. But if you think about the process and the progress of making a film, so the films that come out in a particular year may have been in post-production the previous year or earlier that year, and the previous year would have been filmed and then before that they would have been written etc etc so you can go back the whole timeline so last year because a lot of films had been actually finished but not yet necessarily released in cinema uh, they were available to us so that was great no problem last year this year completely different story primarily because very very few films have been made have been filmed since March of last year. Oh, that's a very good point. I didn't even think about that. Absolutely true. Last year, we weren't thinking about that. We were just thinking about last year. (laughs) That's a story in itself, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. How the industry has survived through Uh, that. Well, there should be a documentary or documentaries. uh, There you go, a new idea. You should go ahead and do it. I need a camera crew for that. <laughs> I'm sure you can find one here. And, and a presenter. Well, there we go. They're full of them here. <laughs> so we've talked now about the challenge of what has not or has been uh, filmed over the last, say, 18 months or so. And then going back to the Edinburgh International Film Festival and Goby Film Fla, this year the Edinburgh International Film Festival happened in August, not in June. But it really happened in reality in Edinburgh. Yes, yes, it did. But... That doesn't give you much time. But, well, it didn't give me any time at all. <laughs> but uh, in the British Strand, it, so it was a vastly condensed festival. Uh, in the British Strand, it had four films. Oof. Right, that wasn't a large one, was it, four well, films? Well, no. Um, so next year, I think I'm going to have a huge challenge unless there are a lot of films that come out and they're going to go back to the same size event that they have done in 2019 and previously. And then the Galway Film Fla as well, that was only online. 
and they had well they had a couple of uh, outdoor screenings but they had no in cinema screenings and that was a couple of weeks uh, later as well but i've got a couple of films from this year's go away film and flat as well so when it comes to choosing what films to watch how do you recommend what we should go to see i know it's a very personal yeah it, it, it's it's completely personal um, everybody has their their own preferences or what they think they may be their preferences. Well, that's the thing, uh, because it's very hard to judge from a title, from a snapshot and from a little bit of blurb what's yeah. good or what you're going to enjoy. Yeah, and that's why uh, last year and particularly this year on the website, we put links to the trailers of all these films. So at least you can have another idea a little bit more in depth. And while the topic may be addressing a social issue such as domestic abuse or the housing crisis or whatever, that doesn't mean that the film itself is going to be sombre and all negative. No, not at all. You're reminding me of a film I wouldn't have necessarily chosen to watch either, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I can't remember which year this was. It was about football and about, I think, the Northern Ireland team going over to play in South America, was it? That's right. We screened that. And for the life of me, I can't remember the uh, the title of... No, it was uh, Playing for Socrates. Playing for Socrates. Yes, yes. It was really, yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. And again, unless yeah. I had been asked to go there... Yeah. I probably wouldn't have chosen a football film to watch and I loved it. And I went with Icelandic friends and my greatest thought was, can they understand the English that these Northern Irish people are speaking? No, exactly. Um, and I have to consider that as well for the other films. We've got one thriller this year. It's called Here Before. It's set in Northern Ireland and one of the characters' accent is quite thick. And even I had problems in uh, trying to understand that. Well, to tune into it, first of all. But um, that's a that's a, a great film to see. But the, you're asking about the, the films to screen. We try to start off with something that's uh, uplifting, that's um, sort of good tempo. It's not a, a gloomy film at all. So this year we've got something, as I mentioned before, this is addressing social issues such as the housing crisis, such as domestic abuse, but it's very uplifting. It's herself. It's an Irish uh, feature film, a drama, and it's actually by the director, Phil Deloitte, and if that doesn't ring immediate bells with people, if I mentioned that she's the director of Mamma Mia and the director of The Iron Lady. So the person who wrote this, Claire Dunn, she is in the lead role. She's known for, as a stage actor. I've recorded a Q&A with them, which itself is incredible. And we're going to have that after the opening screening. That's absolutely wonderful. And of course, uh, I mean, if anyone hasn't picked up on Jeff's wonderful Irish accent, I have uh, grown slightly anglicised in my pronunciation of film, but the Irish way is... I call it film. Film, film. It almost has a different <laughs> a different spelling. A film. <laughs> a film or a film. Let's go and watch either of them. They're the same thing. Well, um, it, it, to me, it's much better than um, pronouncing film movie. Oh, Yes. I would agree with that. That's quite Americanized, And of course, for those who may not know the Irish lingo, himself and herself are obviously yeah. great Irish phrases as well. How's herself doing? 
talking about your wife, so herself has a has a lot of meaning behind it in Irish. Exactly. How would you describe it? In fact, I know you've seen the film, and it's uh, it's got some heavy undertones. But how would you describe the word herself? What it means? Uh, it's not condescending or anything. It's used in everyday language, and it's. It, it, it's well. It, it's 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 so difficult, really. Um, like in this in this case in in this scenario, it's Asher herself will do it. Yeah. And uh, herself is the lady that is in that same room. Yeah. So it's a beautiful word, actually. And uh, the Irish phraseology is is not always the same as the English. Not not by a long stretch. So I mean, the final question really is: How do we find out more? How can we purchase tickets? What are the cost of tickets, etc.? Okay, so everything is together in the same place. So we have the festival website, which is bifilmseason.lu. Everything is on that, including the links to the two ticketing sources. So we're using Luxembourg Ticket for the incident screenings. And the tickets there are €9 for a screening or €35 for a season ticket, which allows you to see five films of your choice. And there's a couple of double and treble packages in that as well. And we're using the Irish Film Institute's online platform that they developed last year during uh, the lockdown periods uh, in in Ireland with funding from Culture Ireland that they have used uh, for... Um, Irish film festivals worldwide and we fall into that uh, category as well. So we actually trialled this earlier this year to see that, how this would work out uh, in March around St. Patrick's and so when I think three or four other festival, Irish film festivals worldwide were using it. So we trialled this out, were very happy with the way that it operated, not only for us behind the scenes but for our audience as well and we had two films there. So that went very well so we decided then we had the technical platform to use and to apply and to uh, in, integrate into this year's uh, film festivals. That's why we're able to do a hybrid. And the online tickets are also nine euros per person or per screening, because when you buy an online uh, ticket, you can invite as many people into your living room or in front of your laptop screen or, or whatever uh, to watch it. And then for all of the of the nine titles that are available online you can buy a ticket of 50 euros to see all of those rtl original podcast jeff have you anything else you'd like to say to us i've always got things to say lisa yes you do which is makes you a wonderful guest for a podcast but i mean just pertinent to this conversation or maybe not just tell us any any thoughts no well it's it's great being able to uh, organize this to be able to support our audiences, to be able to support the uh, the arts, entertainment, culture sectors because they've been so badly hit, and and like in many ways they've become invisible because they haven't been able to perform live. Okay, some people have been able to do whether it is uh, podcasts uh, like uh, you've been doing for uh, quite a while now, or they've been doing the online Zoom concerts or whatever. And a lot of people have become inventive that way. But there are so many people, and you you hear stories from Britain, etc., that a lot of people in these industries have ended up particularly during COVID times, taking jobs at delivery drivers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to try and make ends meet because it just hasn't been possible for them to work. 
So we should all go and support them by buying cinema tickets, yeah, exactly. supporting yeah, the industry. Yeah, yeah. That, that is a, a very yeah. valid point indeed. And it's wonderful that you have their back and you're supporting the industry ceaselessly. Anything aside from the film industry that you'd like to talk about? Um, I would like to make a special call out. I mentioned the Irish Film Institute a couple of uh, times, but also Film Cymrum in Wales, the, the Welsh equivalent. They have been fantastic this time, and we've actually got four Welsh films on the programme. And are they in Welsh or in English? Some of them are in English and some of them are in Welsh. With English subtitles. With English subtitles. <laughs> are we any Gaelic films? Well, Welsh is a Gaelic language. No, it isn't. Welsh is a Gaelic language. No, um, it's not connected at all, is it? Well, maybe we have to edit this out then. Well, or, or we maybe do a little quick Google search for my... <laughs> I thought it was a completely distinct language of its well, own. May, maybe we leave it in when uh, Lisa finds out that it is a Gaelic language. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? Hang on a moment. I am going to Google this right now. I am going to see... Oh, no, hang on. Just bear with me while I get my screen up here. Is Welsh a Gaelic language? Oh, my God. I'll have to eat... Uh, Welsh is a Celtic language. Oh, Lord. <laughs> In the same family as Irish, Gaelic, Scottish, Gaelic, Cornish and Manx. Oh, bugger. Oh, God. Oh, OK, no. so we're leaving this in then. Oh, no. I thought it was completely its own. It's, um, oh, well, it's, no. I, I'm going to go on. We're, 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 all, we're also... We're, we're also going to have um, um, a couple of uh, films with uh, Irish Gaelic uh, in it. And it, like in the past, we've had a Manx Gaelic film and it was Scottish Gaelic as well. Well, I'll allow you that. Now that I found out Manx is also Gaelic language or of that uh, proto-Celtic language family, let's call them. Right, God, I didn't know this was going to be kind of a language lesson, but here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Manx, you must tell our audience who may not know, where is the Manx language from? The, the Manx language is from the Isle of Man. Yes, which sits in the Irish Sea and it's known for its TT racing, I believe. Yeah. And the Manx cat, which is tailless. And it's Manx kippers. Oh, OK. I didn't yeah. know about the Manx kippers. There we yeah. go. Another one to add. Yeah. This is becoming quite the cultural lesson, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, no, no, the Isle of Man is an uh, interesting uh, place. But um, yeah, no, we've had films from the Isle of Man. Their Waking Ned, a classic uh, Irish comedy, was filmed on the Isle of Man. Okay, one I haven't seen yet. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. One your to do list. One on my very long yeah to do list. Films, films, films always end up at the bottom of my of my list, or when I'm completely brain dead and I need to kind of um, watch something else. However, that is not the case for your film festival. We must also say, of course, that British and Irish Film Festival is open to everybody. Oh, exactly. So our audience is not just people originally from the British Isles or connection with the British Isles. It's also for anybody who's a cinephile or anybody just wants to come along. They may have a personal connection either with the topic or with an actor or director, somebody in front of or behind the camera. But uh, yeah, we, we welcome everybody. And in the live Q&As that we do uh, this year online, of course, we'll be uh, welcoming questions from anybody and everybody in the audience. As you're talking, you know what I'm doing now. I'm reading about the Welsh language here. 
I thought it was completely one on its own. Practice your Welsh and oh, uh, ask a, a question in Welsh to the Welsh director. Uh, I might bring a Welsh friend down. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I have a very good Welsh friend living in Brussels who speaks Welsh. And um, I might. Invite him to the British and Irish Film Festival and open up these Welsh opportunities for him, which he doesn't know yet exist here in Luxembourg. Jeff, it's lovely to see you as always. And I think you can leave us also with one of your jam recipes. This is a little sideline hobby you have. Uh, I wouldn't call it that, but said uh, like for the last number of years, I've uh, tried and like last year in particular with the with COVID being stuck at home, I spent a little bit more in the garden than I had been. And with raspberries, loganberries, blackberries this year, fantastic crop of blackberries this year. The raspberries weren't too great because of the rains, but last year because of the heat, we got 10 kilos of uh, raspberries. So the, the cupboard is stocked full of jam. But the people ask us, uh, ask me, how do you make it? It's the simplest thing in the world. But the key to it for me is buying the the two-in-one sugars. That means that you've only got half the sugar that you would normally put in. That is so wonderful. Well, Jeff, from cook to film critic, you cover everything in Luxembourg and you really are a Luxembourg local. You're part of the scene here in so many areas of expertise. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us at RTL today. It's lovely, lovely to have you in person. Thank you very much, Lisa. It's been great. Thank you.